Once again, to episode three of Poets of the East, season two. We are so happy that you could join us. And I want to welcome my brother, my companion, my fellow in arms, and fellow brother of the pen, Misha Danduda. Misha, welcome. Dear Rick, thank you very much. I am humbled, honored, and privileged to be again here with Poets of the East, which with Rick Spisak and with PNN Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Saturday, 9 p.m. here in Eastern Europe, 8 p.m. in Central Europe, and 2 p.m. in New York. So it is the highest time to listen to Poets of the East. Everybody knows <laughs> this. And the ones not knowing are going to find out because nobody, but really nobody, is allowed to get rid of this, to lose this kind of unique poetical series. So what do you think, Rick? Are they going to take me for a a promotion man? Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. I have to get you saying that and put an echo on it because you did a wonderful job with it. Today, we have some amazing guests. We've got Pal Subjuta. We've got Marissa Prada and Eddie Potestic. Foreman. Misha, you want to say a few words about today's show? Please let me quote Schiller, which I mean Friedrich Schiller, which once said, I adore talking about poetry. Oh no, I love talking about poetry, but I really adore poetry itself. So I will be very short. First of all, Paul Sujata is a really unspecific poet for her country. I mean, this is nothing, this is nothing bad in it. She's just a unique, a singular voice within today's uh, Indian poetry because of the strong intellectual dimension of her poetry. Our viewers, actually our listeners, are going to understand this. Um, she, the, our second guest, uh, Marisa, is uh, actually characterized mainly by the intersection of the uh, of the narrative and dramatic actually she's also an excellent performer even if she does doesn't tell something like this about herself and the man is actually unpredictable in the most beautiful sense of the world a really spectacular poet a show poet 
So let them present themselves through their own productions. Ladies and gentlemen, we will start with Paul Saljuta from India. Okie dokie. And here we go, Paul. Take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce Pal Sujata. She comes to us from India today. Pal, why don't you tell me a little bit about when you started writing? Were you a child, a teenager, a, a young woman? When did you start writing? Yes, sir. Uh, at first, I would like to thank you, sir, for providing this opportunity to come here. And uh, this is, I, I must say, it's a wonderful platform. And you have invited me to come here. So uh, thank you so much once again. And greetings from India. Well, thank and uh, hope you are hope you are quite well too. Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay, thank you, sir. So regarding your question, when had my uh, writing journey started? So actually, it was a coincidence, you can say. Uh, it uh, happened, you can say, when I was a uh, young woman. Yes, nearly 30. Now I am 35. Okay, let me uh, share you. Actually, uh, that time, uh, unfortunately, I had met with an accident. And uh, I ha my left leg had been fractured that time. We know that uh, poetry perhaps comes out whenever we get extreme happy or extremely sad. And the same thing happens happened perhaps that time with me. Out of extreme pain when I was groaning, then I uh, remembered about my mom who had been um, deceased, that is who had passed away a uh, little before my uh, that incident and uh, I, I always care and respect my mom respected until now I am respecting my mom as my goddess so whenever I was in a extreme pain I was calling her make less my pain so that time that that mom having my mom I first wrote my uh, writing, my poem. So uh, my first poem entitled was to mom. That was the way I started my writing journey. So you, you had an accident and that made you think of your mom and you began writing. You're also more than just a writer. You're also a person that engages others and uh, you you interview other poets yourself, correct? Yes, sir. You know, it seems to me that it's it's hard enough to just be a poet. But when you're a poet yes. that tries to work with other poets, I think that's a wonderful thing. What What made you reach out and work with other poets? What brought you to want to talk to other poets to hear their work rather than just tell your own poems? I am always a reader. That is, 
according to me to be a poet is a really it's a very tough thing it's not easy to be a poet so uh, the more we read other others work who are experienced in this field we should read we should go through their uh, imminent work so that we can uh, be something uh, like them so i always follow uh, and uh, even before my writing too i always followed shakespeare uh, milton then our uh, world greatest poet you know perhaps his name rabindranath tagore he is from india mm-hmm. uh, yes and uh, <clears throat> maya angelo uh, emily dickinson john keats and uh, so many indian writers like sarojini naidu kamala das nissim ezekiel so many were there whom i always love to read their esteemed works so that we can follow their footsteps and uh, contribute something for our society to warn them to highlight about the contemporary society to write something against the injustice and uh, to show something to the uh, against any wrong so well since you're yes. so generous inviting other poets to read their work i think it's only fair that you get a chance to tell some of your poems so do you have a, a few poems handy that you can read to us about other ones sir No no yours. You yes, want to read sure, some sir. of your poetry please. Yes sir. Yes sir. Thank you sir. You're very welcome. The first poem I would like to read out uh the and the name of the poem is One Day Life. If the duration of life were for one day only we could divide every part of it very shortly. One hour for the great deeds one for playing with the kids a few quality times for exploring one's own self another short time for the realization of the wrong doing sometimes for showing emotion and get emotional again sometimes to spread the fragrance of peace and love being motivational no time would be there to to waste time by thinking wrong for others for the time for fellow feeling and love even could not have sufficient time the more we get time the more we waste it in vain hence thinking the short span of life we could have proceeded and performed our duty without this time very nice very nice thank you sir thank you sir my second poem which i want to recite ruhi just profit the title of the poem is ruhi just profit ruhi just profit there might appear a storm on your way but you never turn back dear i say there might appear a storm on your way but you never turn back dear i say nay the clouds heap in the sky being black you proceed on your way and the raindrops will turn into flower drops to welcome you for your courage dear jealousy fear confusion 
will try to pull your leg down to proceed onwards but you remain seated towards your goal one day all the obstacles will get weary by their constant attempts and you will be victorious overcoming all the evils and complications critics they are your best friends who increase your obstinacy to be the winner hands go run and ultimately you must win dia very Thank nice you. very Thank nice you, please read another Thank you sir. Next poem entitled I am not a poet. <laughs> <laughs> not a poet I am, but when the thirsty birds have the drops of water from the container that I kept in baranda for the thirsty creatures, when the heart of two soulmates weep for not being able to meet due to pandemic, when the sucking baby have milk in the lap of his mom with contentment when the arbors decorate themselves with the fruits of golden harvest in spring when the bride weeps when the bride weeps bitterly for leaving her lonely father when the natural calamity wants us to remain united or and fearless the poetry gets produced in the heart of mine and my pen groans to get used by me not a poet i am but poetry sips in my mind to share the messages to the society very nice very nice so were you, you that so young much. bride with a, a a lonely father yes he must have been a good man to raise a daughter like you Do you have one more? Today, you can read? Yes, sir. Good, good. Today, read on. Yes, sir. Please read on. Living file. Thank you, sir. Another poem entitled "Living Files." The one and only living files of mine are my students who arrive the seminary having the fardel of books with them and their shining eyes. to know the unknown to visit the unvisited to quench their thirst of knowledge make me feel lofty that i don't deal with the official files those are kept in the shelf year by year rather my files grow day by day not only by age but with knowledge and experience elated indeed to be a part of the noble mission to lead the lamp of knowledge within them within the innocent pure grown up adolescents who come to learn with so much hopes and care living files are my students very nice you know i teacher so uh, having my students i have written this poem what class do you teach secondary high secondary I see. Very nice. Yes, sir. I'm a teacher also. I teach computer graphics, computer drawing, web design, things like that. You want to read one more for us? Yes, sir. Sure, sir. Good. 
autobiography of me my another poem i am here from the time when the civilization has not reached even i am here from the time when the civilization has not reached even i am the arbor i grow with the mild sun and the rustle of river my branches dance in joy when the breeze touches them i spread my roots so deep that i feel i am important up to eternity but i forgot the fact that i am dependent on the human beings who are having all the essentials through me are unable to show their kind feelings when i was in beautiful form with all my features some greedy people come to destroy my physique for making their furniture i cry from within not to uproot me but they were so selfish and deaf could not hear anything but before my departure i just want to say you must suffer for your wrong performance one day thank you so much sir thank you so much for joining us those were lovely poems and thanks for telling us a little bit about yourself okay thank you, you have a wonderful sir. evening thank you from tennessee to india have a wonderful evening thank you sir and uh, greetings from india too and please stay safe and thank you so very much once again for providing me such a beautiful platform thank namaste, you namaste namaskar namaskar thank you Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that was a lovely bit of poetry. Uh, I thought that Pal did just a marvelous job, and she brings such a unique voice and temperament, I think, to uh, to our world of poets. Uh, any, any thoughts yourself, sir? Well, actually, listening to her after reading her poems, and after completing after, after fulfilling this um, experience by listening them with the voice of the author herself actually i became even even more uh, sure in my conviction about the the intellectual dimension of uh, her poetry uh, and uh, the inspirational role of the personal events of the personal experiences which uh, gave uh, such a personal stamp to uh, to her poetical uh, creation it is well it is not something unique that someone is inspired and especially a lady poet is inspired by her um, um, personal experiences but their intellectual proliferation their intellectual uh, transformation into a poetical matter into a poetical substance is uh, not something so common especially in india as we know very well the indian poetry is sensitive has a very strong sentimental dimension works very much with uh, the sensible uh, with the uh, with the idea of impressing the listener the reader of uh, making him or her compassionate uh, to what the author wants to say in in uh, palsajata's case we have by contrary a kind of uh, uh, of a very neutral apparently neutral objective objectivization uh, 
but on the other hand, it determines us to read more and more and to try to understand more and more. And until the end, the effect is quite, uh, it's un until the end, the same. We do feel close to the author. It is a manifestation, still a manifestation of the, uh, of the octorial subjectivist, but in a very intellectual way. I really admire this lady poet. Absolutely. And now another wonderful, charming poet. Uh, we have coming up next, Marissa Prada, uh, an amazing poet, uh, a poet of great depth, broad experience. Uh, let's step along and listen a little bit to the wonderful world of Marissa Prada. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Marissa Prada. Melissa, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, everyone, who's listening. I just wanted you to know that I'm so happy that you could join us. Uh, I've enjoyed your work so many different times, so many different places. So it's very much an honor for Poets of the East to have you join us. Thank you. Marissa, one of the questions I like to ask my poets is that, you know, poetry has, has a really curious life in the West, you know? I mean, it is on the one hand dismissed by, by the, the, the broad unwashed, okay, as irrelevant, <laughs> as, as an eccentricity. But you know what? Over and over and over, our society uses poetry when it wants to accomplish something. They want to sell a product, all those things rhyme. When they want to put up a, an important message, they chant it at their football games, okay? I have to tell you, the other thing that I've always made the case of, the oldest tales that people know, the oldest myths, the oldest legends, who told them? Poets told them. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were captured in that wonderful archive of the human heart, the human mind, the human soul. So if you ask me, poets are pretty goddamn important. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's why you're here. You're a damn important poet. <laughs> and, we're, and we're just very happy to have you. So let me ask you, um, when you were a young lass, uh, was, was it poetry, was it art, or was it a mix? When did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? So <clears throat> I always drew um, growing up on everything. <laughs> um, I, I don't consider myself an accomplished artist, although people say I, would say I'm talented. Um, I just like the, the outlet of drawing. Um, I took every art class there was in high school. Um, I, <laughs> um, I took almost every English class I could in college. I guess I could have almost probably double majored or at least got a minor in English. I didn't, um, I didn't, but I, I, I guess I could have looked into that at the time. You're never me, too old. Never too I know, old. I know. For me, I, I wrote a lot of poetry in high school. Um, I was, um, very, I was, I struggled through my teenage years a lot. There was a lot of uh, tumultuous things happening in my home life. Um, I wasn't the most popular kid. I was bullied a lot in elementary and middle school. I was I just kind of there in high school. 
didn't really do the boy thing that much until later. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up training horses wow. and, um, I think that's probably absolutely what saved my life as a teenager. It was the only place I felt safe. Um, and so I wrote a lot. In fact, I found a box a couple years back of all my old poems from high school. Wow. And I was like, wow, I was in a dark space. Um, <laughs> sure. It happened. So, Listen. Yes. So I, so I just kind of was my, in my world and my writing was an outlet for that. And it's the same now as an adult. I left poetry. Well, I didn't really leave poetry. I kind of merged into um, other literary works. So I wrote four novels. I wrote two screenplays. I had a, a screenplay get picked up for film that I had to transition to a four-part miniseries, but then, of course, we're waiting for funding. Of course we are, right? Um, and so then the sh those became short stories, became children's books, um, and other types of avenues. And then I came back to poetry um, probably in 20, 2018. Um, and uh, during a, a rocky relationship, I started writing again. Um, but all through college, I wrote. I would write on so whatever I could find. Like I would be sitting at the bar, and I would have a bar oh. napkin, and I would just start writing. And I would have both sides of the bar napkin filled up, and I would need another one. And it would be a menu. It would be a receipt. It would be like anything I could get my hands on. I needed to write down. This is before we had smartphones, right? This was before we had memos where we could record our voice or type in our notes or whatever. Yeah. This was before we had tablets and devices. We didn't right. have readily right. available for us to document our thoughts. So everything went down on paper. Um, and uh, I dabbled in Def Jam poetry in college. <laughs> That's when I started learning about performance poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a hot minute since I've been in college. I graduated the university uh, in, 20, in 2003. So uh, it's been a hot minute. That, that'll date my age for you. Um, and so, poet is never old. A poet no, is always age, young. age is mind over matter. If you don't exactly. mind, it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> and that's what I say. Um, and then in um, October of 2019, uh, my best friend chose to end her own life. Oh. And poetry began pouring out of me as a way to survive, as sure. a way to be okay with surviving and get through the grief process. Mm -hmm. And so I put together my collection that's uh, coming out. The pre-orders are available, but the book is the entire first year after her death. Oh, and wow. it's titled Conversations with Grief. And there's a section in there about grief and motherhood. It deals wow. a lot with miscarriage. It deals a lot with functioning as a parent while you're grieving. Um, it seems like it's pretty heavy. And yes, the topic's heavy, but it ends really well. Um, as more of kind of an uplifting. Life can be heavy, you know? Yes. Um, and then so I came back to spoken word shortly before her death. Um, so in, I would say, uh, even just a few months before her death, I had found spoken word here in Albuquerque. Because I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, a lovely um, city. 
Yes, I love, oh my God, I love it here. Everyone should come and, and visit and see. <laughs> we are both here. <laughs> I have a funny story about Albuquerque if time permits. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, I came to the stage and I started writing slam poetry. Uh, it had been these 15 years. I, it had been a really long time since I actually was writing slam poetry. Most of it was just page poetry. So, uh, the practice was kicking in and we were getting real competitive talking about, uh, women of the world poetry slam. And then, of course, COVID happened and everything shut down and came to a screeching halt. Um, I did not have internet. Everything was on my phone. Um, I had to get internet for the first time in my life in July of last year because, of course, I have two kids and um, we needed it for distance learning. Sure. So that opened up my world to things like Zoom. And I began doing all of the Zoom meetings and networking with as many people as I could find. And I met Ma Duke, who's a poet in Pennsylvania. And she and I are like two peas in a pod. And we started uh, The Word is Right. And we wanted a, an online platform for poets to come together and read their poetry. And then that became, <laughs> it's become a huge thing uh, where we now have poetry almost every night of the week. Uh, oh, fantastic. Shows on our platform. Fantastic. And we're featuring lots of poets from around the world. So it's so much fun to be building platforms. And then, you know, we were like, well, we should publish our book. What if we all just collectively get together and co-op a publishing opportunity? And I had already been talking about publishing, like starting my own press, because I have all these different genres of literature, and I didn't want to go to this publishing house for that and this publishing house for that and have to deal with all these different editors and people, you know, different contracts, and it's just, it was just too much. And so I wanted a center, a centered place that would do everything. And so I started Red or Green Books, which is a local press um, here, and this year we're focusing on publishing all debut poets. So this summer we're launching 10 uh, poets who've never been published before, in a, who've never had a book published. And then right before Christmas we're doing 10 more. And through my work online, I got into erotic poetry. Um, I, I've always written erotica, but more in the form of plays or short stories, and I, it's definitely in mixed into my novels. Um, <laughs> Uh, human I think sexuality, I you can't I have got, a human without sexuality. Right. I got corrupted in high school um, reading Snow Falling on Cedars. Uh, I, I don't think they realized uh, there was that much going on in that book. And then, of course, one of my favorite novels of all time is The Horse Whisperer. I know it seems um, funny, but the, the movie does not do it justice. As a horse person... Um, it was a great book for me, and um, uh, it, I, I love it. I love it to this day. I'll keep reading it. Um, and then Fifty Shades of Grey came out, and that helped me learn some things <laughs> that I didn't know. <laughs> but now that I know so much, I look back at it, and I'm like, well, that was really tame. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, I guess. In, I, I don't know if you do this, Richard, but I keep a spreadsheet of all the poetry I write every year. I don't do and, that. Um, because I like to know how what I'm writing, how much I'm writing, and I categorize how much of it is, you know, what. And I and I keep a list of, of what I write in different workshops as well. Ah. Um, so I, I 
counted my poetry from last year, and it was about 20% erotic. And then I counted so far my poetry this year, it's about 25% erotic. So it's not, it's not everything I do, but that's what people remember the most about what I do. And I've been doing erotica now on Zoom for so long. I went last week and performed it live here in Albuquerque. And I performed like a middle of the road. It wasn't super bad, but it was definitely erotic. And people's faces, they like went white. And their jaws fell open. And they're like, did she just say pussy? She just said fuck. She's fingering herself. What? Like people, like they lost their shit, and and I am like, oh my god, is this gonna be horrible? Like, am I embarrassing my host who's like having his mic? Um, but he's a spoken word artist too, and he's a proponent of erotica. Um, and so you know, I'm just gonna do it everywhere. I've put it out to the universe that I want to win the Women of the World Poetry Slam with an erotic poem. It's never happened before. Um, so we got to start breaking barriers around sexuality and love and sex and pleasure and speaking about it, um, making it okay to, to read and write and talk about it. So. <laughs> well, as, as I mentioned to you, um, I, I have a background in anthropology. So I appreciate a wide range of cultures. And, and among the many things that you learn is how similar we all are. Yes. You know, over the centuries, over the millennia, people have been doing the same thing to each other in all the same ways for a very <laughs> long time. And yeah. the fact that people are still so hideously, obscenely crazy blind about these matters is just, it's, it's just laughable if there wasn't so much harm done with it, you know? And I think, like, COVID maybe has put us all back a little bit, too, now, because we're almost even afraid to be close in proximity to other people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, there's definitely more options available out there for things like safe sex and, and even abstinence. There's a lot of resources available for people to um, pleasure themselves and to relieve their you know, their urges where there wasn't growing up. Um, and there's ways to, you know, there's there's a uh, women's health. There's a lot of ways to keep young women healthy. Um, and so we have, I think we're in a better space where we definitely can talk about it more. I think we don't talk about it more because we still have a, a lot of generational trauma. There's well, a lot of some, In some cultures, we could talk about it. But beyond the intelligentsia, you know, yeah. the sophisticates, you know, it, it may as well be the 1850s all over again. I did, I did say the other day that um, a vibrator is just as important as a mini fridge when your daughter goes to college. Like that, like, <laughs> if, if I would have had, like, a, if I would have had the knowledge on how to take care of myself in that department when I was, you know, an adolescent and a young person, I wouldn't have looked for other people to to do that for me. And I'm raising two daughters. I think it's very important that they understand their body, not just their anatomy and physiology, but the health and well-being of their bodies, uh, know what's normal, know what's not normal, and then how to um, fulfill themselves so they're not looking for outside sources. 
uh, that's an incredible thing when you can give a, a young woman, and I say young woman because I am a woman raising daughters, but of course this goes for, for men as well, and, and um, gender, um, bi- gender fluid, non-binary people as well, but the ability to say yes and the ability to say no, and unless you are told you have that ability, a lot of people don't exercise their voice. Um, and so if we're not talking about sex, how can we talk about saying no to sex? How can we talk about what's normal in a relationship, what's not normal, um, what's acceptable for your body, what's not? You know, those are important things to discuss. And you can't have a discussion if you're afraid to talk about sex. So <laughs> there's a whole TED Talk we could go on for days about Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, I, I want you to know that I want you to cover any poetry that you want. It doesn't have to be in any particular tilt. Uh, Anything you want to do, because I, I'm I'm a passionate supporter of poets, uh, uh, an absolutist when it comes to free speech. Um, I I have always, no matter what press I've been associated with, always insisted on the writer's opportunity to give the message that they want to give, because I believe that everybody has a tremendous well of wisdom within themselves, even what I'm going to call the dumbest, most ill-educated person, they have insights that, that should be shared. And mm-hmm. and so, like I said, you know, you don't have to cover any particular genre, my dear, whatever poetry you want to, you want to tell. <laughs> I, I do want to tell one story related to the anecdote you just told. Um, during the, uh, the Obama run for the White House, I was standing outside at the appropriate distance from a polling spot, holding an Obama sign. And there was a, 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 a woman, a little older than myself, uh, who clearly comes from a very conservative background. In the community I lived in, there was what is what would look to the outside world as almost Amish, you know, bonnets, long skirts, dungarees, very plain, uh, you know, no makeup. And and I have a sympathy for that because I'm a Taoist. I'm a simplest. You know, I, hey, you know, you don't have to decorate yourself with me. Humans are fine. But so this woman who is so clearly, you know, understated, pulled back, very, very modest, right? In addition to her Republican sign, she had a little pom-pom, like a little toy pom-pom. So whenever she got a thumbs up from somebody driving by, she'd shake her little pom-pom. And I couldn't help but laugh in my heart how ironic here on the one hand very modest very retiring not you know a pushy person not an out there person you know clearly very very modest person but she had this little pom-pom and it just tickled me right so i said i gotta tell you i really think that that pom-pom and i mean at first she was very leery of me you know i'm clearly in a different tribe you know, I've got long hair. I've got a Democrat sign. You know, I'm probably the enemy. Probably, <laughs> who knows what kind of evil influence just standing in her vicinity, you know? And <laughs> so I said, I think that your little pom-pom is just really, really cute. And she looked at me, and she was trying to figure out whether I was making fun of her or not. And I said, I really do. I think it's just wonderful that, you know, you can feel comfortable you know, for your side, for your tribe, you know, coming out here, standing on the side of the street and shaking your little pom-pom. I just think that's wonderful. 
And she goes, well, I wasn't always a Southern Baptist or whatever particular sect she was. That wasn't always that. I was a cheerleader in high school. And I said, well, that's wonderful. You know, that's, you must have been a wonderful cheerleader. I'm, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, make her comfortable, right? And she said, but now, you know, now that I've got uh, Jesus or whatever particular version of him she's got, she said, but I dress very, very modestly now because you know how men are. And I thought, you know, if you hadn't said that, if, if, you, if you just stopped short of that, yeah. I, w- I would have been just fine being quiet and just saying, yeah, yeah, that's great. And I thought, you know, you know how men are. I said, at this point, I got a tweaker, just, just a touch. So I said, you know, I know how men are. I said, don't ever underestimate their imagination. Ha! So you might have a long skirt on, honey, and a bonnet. But you know what? Those filthy men. Um, oh, my it was It was gosh. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, I, I I wanted to be as supportive as I could, but I just had to, you know, the little hypocrisy there. It is it is hard, right? It is hard when women, and, and I try not to put people in a category. If I say men or women, it's because of my own personal experience. I try not to gender generalize um, groups or, or people, um, except if I, 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 I will generalize poets. <laughs> Okay. I'll be like, okay. don't think a poet, right? You can say <laughs> anything about monsters. poets. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you read about poets is true, right? It's I mean, true. It's true. <laughs> It is hard, right? Because, um, you know, everyone has trauma and heartbreak and loss. Everyone loves and, and, and loses in this life. Um, I used to be, like, really bitter. I, I, um, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Oh. Um, I, I used to have a lot of, of, um, philosophies and in most days in my life, I just generally don't feel safe anyway. Uh, it's so, so, you know, it's, but I try not to bleed onto people like, um, the person you see, the happy, the, the, the poet, the spoken word artist. Um, the entrepreneur, the mother, the woman, this is the product of 15 years worth of work, uh, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, all of it is m- managing and learning how to heal yourself and love yourself so you're not bleeding onto others. Uh, that's very important to me. And if I can do it, other people can do it as well. So when a woman goes out and says, well, you know how men are, and that might be her experience, but that doesn't mean you're that kind of man. You don't deserve to be lumped in that category. Certainly you're not in that category, right? And and I think it's very unfair because sexual women are trying to get out of being sexualized and being categorized. And we can't do that if we're sexualizing and categorizing men. Uh, it won't work. You have, you know, you're being you have fair. To- <laughs> right. Absolutely. And people are just people. Um, but yeah, we, we can't be lumping everyone into that category. I mean, if, if, if a man fails you, well then, you know, he, he's, he failed you, but that doesn't mean all men will fail you. Um, I, I, for whatever reason, <laughs> I still believe that <laughs> my person's out there, that, uh, that that there are great men out there 
um, that there are great women out there. There are great people out there. I'm polyamorous. Um, I love men. I love women. I love, you know, anyone really, um, as long as there's emotional and chem chemical connection, uh, there has to be that. And I'm getting to a point in my life where I'm uh, too old to be wasting any more of my time. Uh, and I'm too damn busy <laughs> to, pour, to pour into people who are not going to be on my team, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, you know, I, I, I was going to ask, is that picture behind you yours? No, this is not mine. This, um, but I do, t I do take photographs around Albuquerque. That's graffiti art. And oh. I do post it behind, uh, behind my screen a lot of times. Uh, oh, please. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the Poetography 505 on Facebook, that's my page where I post my poetry and, and my, um, my photographs. And so you'll okay. see my photography there. Um, uh, Prod Erotica is my private Facebook group. And that's uh -huh. the erotic group. Uh, it's not raunchy. It's a safe space to share poetry and images and artwork and whatnot. So um, I'm trying to create more safe spaces for people to explore. Um, the unknown, and I think if you're doing something that makes you uncomfortable, then you're growing, because, <laughs> right, this is your comfort zone, success is way over there, uh, so you've got to get uncomfortable to grow, I think. Um, that was a marvelous part one. Misha, we're about to dive into part two, where we'll actually hear some of the fine, extraordinary poetry of Miss Prada. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready and I'm looking forward to it. What a passionate, what a passionate story. What a passionate uh, poetry. Really incredible. Good, good guess. Good idea, Rick. Here we go. Part two, Marisa Prada, her poetry. Yes, I was pulling up some poetry for today, so I'm very excited to be here. Po poetry? Are, are we going to do poetry? Is that, is <laughs> We might. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope so. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the delightful, the delicious, the delirious pleasure of bringing you a fabulous poet, a charming personality, and a delightful sprite with the cutest little ear. I got to tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Marissa Prada. Melissa, welcome. I recently got um, asked to, to chair a position with the New Mexico Poetry Society. Oh, We're wonderful. Getting, thank you. We're getting ready to do um, our annual convention in April, and I know it seems like uh, it's a ways away, but it'll be here before we know it. Absolutely. And we're looking for people to do um, workshops. So if you want to do, if you want to chair a workshop, um, it could, you know, whatever we're going to, um, we're going to be paying um, our workshop. Um, uh, moderators think about maybe what you would want to do and that would be fun we have some some categories we'd like to fill but that would be fun and we'll do them virtual and in person as well oh, wonderful wonderful um, you know you've said so many things that are so wonderful and, and make so much <laughs> sense and, and I know are, are going to speak to so many of the poets out there listening um, one thing I want to mention to you because it really caught my ear um, you know, you mentioned that you would write on anything. Yes. Well, when I was that young poet in my 20s, I made a positive virtue of, you know, any surface, anything. I'd grab a bag, 
And at one point, I realized I had two drawers full of just random scripts of paper, each one with a poem on it. I said, you know, okay, I get the philosophical point. I think I can set that silliness aside and get myself a damn journal and started writing in my journal. So that made it a whole lot more categorizable for me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. So, okay, you've had this wonderful, interesting, dynamic life. You have trained horses. You trained yourself, you know, <laughs> recovered from all kinds of serious challenges. Did you know that I used to play pool professionally? No, I had no idea. Yes, I was a pool player for many years. <laughs> now, was, was that in a lifeguard position? or did No, you... players. Ah. Pocket billiards. I'm just kidding you, just kidding you. But, wow. Yeah. So I, you know, I have a table right here, right here sitting next to me is my pool table. I have an eight-foot pony table. This is on a 660 cloth. It's it's a beautiful table. I love it. Well, I, I'll, I'll probably never get a chance to play pool with you, but it's probably just as well. You're probably a pool shark. What everyone says, right? But I really am not. Uh, I I will play for money, but I, I typically won't hustle someone unless they're a total jerk. And they oh really yeah, I'm totally like, new at this game. I I even played for the university. Um, no, kidding. yeah, and I never had to buy beers in college. <laughs> wow, wow! You're a woman of so many facets. It's a, it's amazing. It would blow your mind. I, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm already impressed. Listen. <laughs> okay. So you, you, you began writing after your friend's passing, and many of us have had those kind of experiences. I, I lost someone to a suicide as well. I, I know how challenging it is to process that. And, you know, they may think they've solved their problems, but they certainly didn't solve the relationship, that's for sure. Now, your your choice. I, I have a lot of poems. I, I mean, I have a whole list of things that I can share with you today that I think are really nice. I was, my guest. I was going to do uh, at least one piece out of Conversations with Grief, which is coming out, because I figure we'll start kind of heavy and then end kind of sexy. Um, Nothing wrong with gonna, that. <laughs> I love doing parody poems. Uh, also, I have a lot of hilarious parody poems, so I was going to do a parody of an erotic parody for you if you want. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> and maybe something like lovey um, and, and, and something hot at the end. So how Ooh. does that sound? We'll do like... Listen, I'll I do... trust your judgment implicitly. <laughs> That's what a poet wants to hear. <laughs> okay, let me... Um, I have a, a lot of these pulled up already. So, and I, I do... Um, let's see... Let me scroll up here. So this poem is um, the one that I wrote at the one the, the one year anniversary of her death. <clears throat> and in fact, uh, the cover artist for this entire collection of books is Shane Maynard with Gorilla Poets. Shane is amazing, and um, she she did everything from sketching to watercolor to digital to. Um, uh, uh, the acrylic painting. So she took a picture of my friend and she repainted her in acrylic. And that's the cover of my book. Oh, it's wow. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and, and before I forget, uh, 
I'm also in uh, part of Poetry Global Network, which is a YouTube channel that I started with Lacan and some other Filipino um, poets and American poets. And there's a lot of different shows on there. And I'm part of the Poets React, and it's a panel of four of us. And we watch poetry live, whether it's, it's spoken to us or we're watching a performance and we react live to it and we break it down and talk about it. So if you ever want to, you know, come on or be part of Poetry Global Network, we'd love wow. to have How you Wow, how generous. Here. Thank you so okay. much. <laughs> All right, because this, we're going to go in, and get into a, a sad place, a little bit of a sad place here. Um, and then I'll do maybe something about um, motherhoodish stuff. And then, um, or, here, we'll just go. All right, this is Title 365. This day. 365 sunrises ago, I was driving to work at this exact time, 8.28 a.m., behind the city coroner van. I remembered it turned up your street, but really didn't think much of it then. Work was good. Lunch was good. Getting the kids from school was good. Didn't think much about how you hadn't called me back yet or texted me back yet, or laughed at that online post yet. Dinner came and went when my phone finally rang. That was the call we all fear, a call I knew before I knew you were gone. Crystal is dead, was all you said. Your voice rattled around my skull, breaking loose pieces of brain as I strained to breathe, buckled at the knees. I lost my body in disbelief. She took her own life, you eventually said. No, this cannot be right. She said that would never happen. Nausea navigated like a champion through my core as illness coursed through the living particles of my breath. I called your phone. Your voicemail chimed, and I knew before I knew you were gone. No way had you used that gun. I'd asked you about that months ago. You said absolutely no, I could never do that. Maybe that drunken slice to your arm so many years ago now finally decided deeper could dictate death, challenge God. But no one saw this coming, that pink-plated small caliber calling you home, cold in your hand, full glass of vodka still on the nightstand as you loaded the one fingernail size. Fuck you, I just want the pain to stop bullet that founded your freedom, my beautiful friend. Even as I stood in your room, in the exact place your body fell, smell of death defied by the sage crackling in my hand, I felt comfort among your things. And the why wasn't I here? Why didn't she call? Why didn't I take the gun? Why didn't I do more? Why couldn't she have just stayed? Just one more day, I pleaded to God. What good was I if I couldn't even save her? I thought back then. When regret eroded smiles, denial 
swindled healing, and those relentless questions called to order a courtroom of judgmental self-loathing. Now, see, the sun will not cease its rise as the current of time will ever press on. You have done what you have done to forge an imperfect path towards forgiveness, to leave us all realizing the temporary nature of our time here, to remember the pain with the pleasure so that we may remember we are still here. We are still alive. We are still going to fight. Thank you. Exquisite. Exquisite. Thank you so much for reading that very powerful piece. It just, my whole body still courses with goosebumps, and it's, uh, I mean, I finally get through it getting misty, but I'm not crying anymore um, reading it. It's, yeah, I'm grateful for the poetry, but I'm really so sad at the reason why I'm writing it. And that's that survivor's guilt, you know. Sure, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, let's keep going. Um, I figure you might want to have a poem about me that is a little bit about growing up. It's dark. And so um, here we go. It is to 12-year-old me, and that was the writing prompt. So this is where I was at when I was 12. Lukewarm coffee sloshes around my mouth, down into my body, the same body that harbors my 12-year-old self. Stiff and stuck in the stuffiness of this darkened adult life. I miss you, little girl, young lady. I could use your shining light. I know you wait and wait and wait for someone to tell you it will be all right, that things get better, that you long to know the end already. I know you just threw down punches for the first time in the hall during the bell. I also know you had no choice. I wish I could tell you the bullying would stop, that this would be the last time you'd have to stand up against hate. Sweet self, you cannot ever give in. The bullies will vanish when you move to high school, and you will need to speak beautiful into your soul again. For you are worth it. You matter. I know home is about to implode, will forever change the way you allow others to find you, love you. I wish I could say there's a happy ending, but self, we are still sitting on the windowsill watching, waiting, wondering if love even exists for us at all. Because love is not the touching you will live by. Bargain away bits of your body since you know no other way. Love is not the crying you will live by. Throwing away so much of your time since you know no other way. I wish I could say at this age and space in life that I have the answer. That I found the solution for forever. But you know me and we are honest. So honestly, I don't know how this ends. But when you sit on the cold tile pantry floor, you will survive. You will not die that day nor many more to come. 
There is so much work to do still. You will grow to love the grind of working on yourself, of loving others despite always being left behind. Never quit pulling your quiet voice up from your throat. Oh, yes. One day, sweet child, your voice will banish the beatings and the haters. Your voice will soothe and quiet your sweet children. Your voice will be for justice and peace and love. Always reach for your dreams and the things you have yet to know in this precious life. So hold on tight, hero. Don't give into the darkness. Stop thinking of ways to escape because I need you here in the coming years. Yes, I need you. Your children need you. Your friends need you. For all the places we will go, people we will meet, things still left to do, left to learn. But most of all, remember, you matter, and I love you. My goodness, that's beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. Marissa, that is so eloquent. Mm, thank you. Um, okay. I hope a um, hundred people told you that. A thousand people told you that. I, um, you need to I, know how wonderful that is. Thank you. You're a wonderful writer. Thank you. Validation is hard to come by in poetry. <laughs> um, because poets, we all love each other, right? Um, and there's not enough. I don't know about the poets you know, but that's not my experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, I'm not saying the poets in, in our circle, all of the poets we know are valid. I mean, I mean, as far as, like, how We're many poets do we know who are not published? How many poets do we know who are not on on you know SoundCloud, who their words not out there? Um, they're not performing at presidential inaugurations. They're you know what I'm saying? That there's oh, yeah. oh, there's yeah. so many of us out there. We're not featured in the news. We're not featured in current events. Where I think that I I'm one voice and. It's not, there's so many people who are much better than me, who, who have more important things to say, but none of us, I think, are getting, as poets, I think poetry needs more recognition. It needs validation. So, yes, all of us, we love each other, and we love on each other, and, and a lot of people enjoy my poetry, and I'm very humbled and grateful for those who do. I just think that poetry needs to come into the spotlight, because how are we going to, to heal? as a country, how are we going to move forward through the divisions and the pain and the hurt, especially over the last couple of years? Um, you know, and, and part of that comes through breaking the barriers of mental health, um, begin talking about things. So yeah, poets need more validation. Poetry needs to be published like on every street corner in every magazine and in every newspaper. Everyone I know should have a book and most people don't. Um, so that's what I mean by that. I mean, yes, I appreciate the, <laughs> the personal uh, validation. For I sure. just wanted you to hear. <laughs> I wanted you to hear how beautiful that was. Thank okay. you. One of the things I will always give you is 100% of myself when I read. Um, I do get that a lot, that it's 
the power behind the performance and the emotion and the vulnerability, I have no problem completely getting naked in front of you on a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a poetic way. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> okay. So let's switch to something funny um, because I, I don't want to, I don't want to drown everyone with sad shit. Um, have you heard my Kovach poem yet, Richard? I don't think so. I don't think so. Go ahead, tell it. Oh my God, you had not heard Kovach. Okay, so usually I wear if if I'm doing a performance of this, that's not a slam. It's just a performance. I'll wear a doctor's jacket and I'll have a stethoscope. Okay, so <clears throat> this is my pharmaceutical parody. It's erotic and explicit. Okay, <laughs> just a content warning. All right, here we go. <laughs> Oh, All right. <laughs> Ladies with labia, has your vagina caught COVID? Are you experiencing a wheezing, queefing, or crazy camel toe tingling? Are you hating the chafing? Is the squirting hurting? You are not alone. Now you can enjoy relief with the all-new COVID 10 Plus. It works with your clip flick to make sure your beaver box keeps beating. Taking the new Kovach 10 Plus is nowhere near clinically proven, but snatch it for your snatch anyway and give your peace sign a new meaning. Kovach 10 Plus is not for everyone, so consult your doctor before taking. If you suffer from chronic obstructive vulvinary disorder, COVD, I told you so. Yep, it's too late for you, you stupid fuck. The rest of you out there may still have a chance, though. That's right. Do not delay, especially if you have a bulge in your vulva. Moist. Just love to say the word moist. Make the most of this opportunity. Still, heed the side effects, which may include spontaneous orgasms, facial hair, the growth of wings under gills, inability to see your reflection in the mirror, rage, group sex, and the making of finger puppets. Do not take if you have a penis, are near a penis, or plan to have sex with a viable dick in the next 365 days. By then, all long-term side effects of dick decay, better known as cock rot, will have cleared up. If you plan to be near a vagina that's not your own, good on you. Just share the Kovach 10 Plus love with your pink taco partner. It doesn't have to be a dream, ladies with labia. Relief is at your fingertips. Again. Do not consume Ready Whip while taking Kovach 10 Plus. It may be too fucking sexy, especially straight out of the can. If you start to actually grow a penis, call the coroner. Seriously, call the coroner. People taking Kovach 10 Plus are likely to experience a dry mouth due to no cock nearby and no Ready Whip. But remember, your penis snuggie needs to 86 a dick until you've completed the Kovach 10 Plus course. Do not smoke cigarettes, just marijuana while taking Kovach 10 Plus, so you eat pretzel sticks instead of dick sticks. Together we can do this. It's time you took back your badge with Kovach 10 Plus. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I used to love writing fake commercials, and that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. Um, I love Kovach. Okay. Um... I like this one. Uh, this is an erotic. This is a very nice. This is a nice erotic one. Okay. All right. It's titled, titled Hand Blown Bodies. And, of course, it's erotic. It's explicit, y'all. So don't say it in warn ya. 
I woke up with you in my bed this morning, your face between my legs, fingers inside me licking my clits. I came so quick. A flood filled my hand as I thought of you, man, Frenching my vagina, Rosetta Stone tongue, translating a language as old as time. Taming the shrewd shrew, sure-footed mouth on my thigh, intrepid incisors bite. My flesh quivers and I release again. Jackson Pollock's pussy juice pulsed across my sheets from the thought of you, man. Make all of me yours. Take the sum of my parts and train them to stay put, to wait, to beg, to take all of you and make you mine until we are blown like goblets of glass. A, a checkerboard triple jump, crown the queen, swirling, smoothing our seams, to drink each other's thirst. Take no prisoners, unable to mark ourselves safe as your tongue captures my flag, tackled to the tickling duvet cover. Another unnecessary bedroom accoutrement soon to be saturated by the burning, flown bodies between my legs. You refuse to relent, intent on another. My fingers forge on through the burning of my arm. Your finger, my finger, inside my body, pounds my clit again and again as your mouth makes waves where the wild things are. Saturate caliche cracks down my ass. I come to you again, man, and again, and again, until my arm dies a cruel death. Hand screams, press on, megaphone in hand, but the crux is I simply can't move another muscle as my pussy pulses the last drops of thirsty from my body. Empty, full, relaxed. Had all I can take, wishing you were here to take the rest of me to that next place. Sheets wet, smells of my sweet cunt and imaginary saliva. Good thing today is laundry day. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. So... You're well, would you like one idea. more? Please, or are we, please. Are we done? No, okay. one more. Absolutely. You, I'll end with this one because um, I absolutely am very much in love with a poet right now, and I'm totally fucked because I am. Um, <laughs> I love a poet. Um, it's really, I love it. Um, let's see. There's so many beautiful things I write. Um, okay, I'll read you this one. I like this one. It's he, He's so wonderful. And, you know, who knows? Maybe nothing. Maybe everything. All right. <clears throat> this is titled Fly Like a Bird. If I fell, you'd be the tandem skydive expert tethered to my amateur ass. Jumping from a plane at 12,000 feet. If I fell, I'd dive headfirst with you into a destiny of our dream. Pull the ripcord already. I am already yours, man. 
No landing could have prepared me for you. No distance from the jump to the earth could have handled the heart in my chest that calls to you, man. If I fell into the ocean, you'd be the dive mask and life raft. When I go under, unable to breathe, if not for you, intense freezing pressure of being out of my depth crushes the ribs in my chest. I gasp for breath in the dark. There you are, a breath in my mouth to soothe my capsized heart. Kick furiously to the surface, to the raft of life, of survival, of getting another chance to fail tomorrow, which I know is impossible because you are everything that keeps me afloat, not adrift, not aimless, not praying to be saved. If I fell, it would be sliding across home plate, trying to decipher your signals as my heart bobbles out of the catcher's mitt. But a win is a win, even if I lose my heart. If I fell, I'd be, it'd be because our love is an extreme sport and no place is safe to lay you, immortal, beloved, upon the next page of my book. For I've gone and fallen for a fable for ink on a page, for letters on a screen, for ideas in the mind of a poet and the love he showers me with. I have never jumped out of a plane, but I would totally fall for you. <laughs> End poem. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's Marissa. easy to be in the lovey space when you're in the lovey space. <laughs> well, that was just exquisite, just absolutely exquisite. Marissa, uh, what a wonderful gift you have. Uh, you, you can speak for so many hearts. And uh, I just want to tell you, it, it was a breathtaking visit with you today. Thank you so much for coming. Why don't you tell listeners one more time where they can find your work? Yes, thank you so much. Please come find me. I'm on Facebook, Marissa Prada, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, and Prada is P-R-A-D-A. I'm on Instagram, Prada Painting and Poetry. I author Poetography 505 on Facebook. I co-author The Word is Right, W-R-I-T-E, on Facebook. And my publishing house is Red or Green Books. Red is R-E-A-D, because everything in New Mexico is red or green chili, so i got to keep it close to home, redorgreenbooks.com. You can see the 10 uh, poets who are launching this summer, including my own collection. You can read about Guerrilla Poets and Shane Maynard, who's the cover artist. And she's going to be doing the artwork for the next 10. If you've never published a book, please get in touch with me because I'm looking for those poets who've been overlooked in the past who are still um, trying to get their work out there. I also have a call for women's erotic anthology. Uh, we will do a men's erotic next year. Don't freak out, all you. Don't freak out, okay? Uh, and they will be paired side by side as a collection. Uh, and then early next year, we have an LGBTQ anthology coming out. And um, late next year, I'm going to be doing a call for a survivor's anthology. So those are things we have coming up. Poetry Global Network on YouTube and everywhere. And then, of course, New Mexico Poetry Society, if you'd like to um, get your dues in now before the prices go up. You don't have to live here to uh, get your annual dues in. I think it's only like 20 bucks right now, but it's going to go up. Uh, so that will get you into a lot of free stuff. So. Well, thank you again, Marissa. <laughs> it's been marvelous, wonderful. Thanks again. 
Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I will. You too. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Well, Misha, are you stunned? That was so exquisite. Well, I have to admit, I am almost silent. It is very hard to say something. Maybe you characterized it the best. I mean, poetry. Talk to them because there are so many hearts who want to listen to you. It is a direct poetry. It is an intellectually complex, but in the same time, sensitive and sensible expression, literary expression, very personal, and in the same time, understandable by everyone. It is really something rare. On one hand, usually we have the hermetic intellectual poetry full of images, which are very complex, very beautiful, very intellectual, but hardly understandable by the uninitiated people. And on the other hand, we have the ones talking for everybody, but in the same time, writing cheap verses, cheap poetry. This is a rare case where real, really valuable poetry, highly intellectual and originally metaphorical, addresses actually through, through its generalization, through its transparent, uh, transparent uh, character, everyone. Being in the same time intellectual, um, elaborate, and highly high to, uh, in terms of artistic quality, and in the same time understandable by the majority, it is something one does not meet every day. Congratulations for this selection, Rick. It was a really great idea. You know, uh, Marissa Prada touched so many very, very deep notes of the human experience, uh, talking about the loss of her friend through suicide and sharing her innermost thoughts and reflections of that. Uh, many people have lost friends and loved ones due to suicide. I, I've lost someone myself. And when you hear how eloquently she speaks of that loss, it was just an absolutely visceral experience. And yet, in this same wonderful, beautiful poet, she speaks of the joys of love, the joys of sex, and gives us another very deep, very human look at the soul of this amazing poet. Uh, I, I, was, I was just absolutely blown away, as, as she informed me I would be. <laughs> because and she after evidently... that, go ahead, yes, brother, I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize, sorry. I'm sorry, I apologize. That's okay, that's okay, no problem. Well, we I have someone... To... After you. Okay, sorry. I mean, it is, it is a, a, an evening of uh, an evening of uh, uh, of the idea collisions. Uh, I promise I'll be short. I only wanted <laughs> to say, she is aware of uh, the force of the power of her poetry. She knows how this poetry. Uh, is able to influence and uh, what effects it's uh, able to have uh, on over uh, on the on the 
wants uh, wanting to accept it and wanting to uh, to listen to it. And yes, you are very right. Uh, she's able to transmit this kind of experiences on a very large scale. This is called talent in all the languages of the world. Sorry for interrupting you. We'll go further. No, that's fine. That's fine. You spoke eloquently, as always, my brother. Well, now we have someone who's going to take us in another direction entirely. Another amazing poet with a voice so articulate and a man who uh, I think will impress every. He is thought-provoking and just a dear, charming poet. And, of course, I'm speaking of Eddie Potastic Foreman. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the profound good fortune to bring a man who rhymes makes his own time, a soul that shines, he's so fine. Ladies and gentlemen, Edward Foreman, Eddie the Potastic Pope. Sir, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel welcome. Thank you for the warm, joyful welcome. I enjoy your time. Do you make me feel sublime? Please, 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 please. Keep on, keep on with the rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a challenge because I normally do an interview at this point, but uh, I'll meet you at that joint. When you were a young lad, sometimes you were gloomy, sometimes you were glad. When did you start to write? Was it by day or was it by night? Hmm. I have to say, when I was a kid, I was very slow. It was hard for me to keep up with the other kids. I used to be in bullied, but after experience, um, I went to a local library. I couldn't read dictionaries or any novels. It confuses me so much. But the only thing that confused me was uh, Cat in the Hat. So I started reading Cat in the Hat, um, Red Fist, Blue Fist, Go Dog Go, um, Fox with Socks, and the um, Grinch Stole um, Christmas. And I started reading, 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 and all of a sudden, out of that pile of books, I read a beautiful Shakespearean sonnet. And then after that, my um, the library or the librarian smiled and said, "You love Shakespeare?" I said, "Yes." And then she took me by my hand, went to a room, and started reading me all types of his um, beautiful, wonderful works: his plays, Othello, Macbeth, you name it. I read, and I was just flawed and awed about his. Beautiful, beautiful, whimsical words and patterns, and it inspired me. I just started writing when I was in middle school, and after that, in high school, I started writing. I had to quit, but got back to it after this whole you know, unfortunate epidemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have to tell you a short story. I've loved Shakespeare myself since I was very young. Once I was asked to teach. A, an elementary school to teach them a, something about drama. So I said to the principal, I know what I'm going to do. The kids and I are going to read Shakespeare together. And she said, no, 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 Richard, 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 you don't understand. This is second grade to fifth grade. 
these these kids can't. I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, before you say they can't, I want to. I want you to think about something. She said, well, what would you even start with? What do you have comic books or something? I said, no, 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 no. I said, I want you to think about this. Think about King Lear, okay? Now, don't just say, hey, this is some mad, crazy king. No, no, no. How's the play start? It's around the dining table, and the dad is asking his kids who loves him more. Now, no dad should ever ask that, and no kid should ever be forced to answer. But he did. And he did it for a goddamn good reason. He wanted to show how how even the strongest guy, a king, could could in his heart be so so unsure that he had to ask his pretty little girls, hey, who loves me more? Now the fact that he was an idiot, that's beside the point. But <laughs> but I said what kid has not asked themselves, who does dad love more? Or who does mom love more? There's not a kid in the world that didn't ask that. Except, okay, single kids with no mom and dad, but they still want to know who loves who more. They still do. It's, it's human. I said, every kid will get that. And she said, oh, Richard, you, you overestimate these kids. I said, you know what? I won't argue with you. But you sit there, and we're going to read one act, just one act. That's all I ask. And if you honestly think the kids don't get it, you win. But if the kids get it, I said, now also, if you get a bunch of adults together to read this cold, not everyone's going to get every word. But if we discuss it scene by scene, the wonderful collective mind will completely understand it. And you know what? Of course, the kids totally got it. They insisted, then we did four Shakespeare plays. We did Lear. We did Antony and Cleopatra. We uh, did um, uh, we did Coriolanus. And ooh. these kids dug it so much, they insisted on doing scenes from the play for the end of the year. And, and the principal was like, man, you're an amazing teacher. I said, no, 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 no. These are smart kids. And Shakespeare is a master of the human heart. So, brother, I could not agree with you more. What what fine milk, sir? What fine milk nourished you, my brother? Oh, fine milk. You are the man that scorched the fantastic land. I am really amazed and inspired. Oh, my goodness. My brother, it's such an honor to have you here. You may be far away, but in my heart, you are quite near. Oh, you are you are near and dear to my heart and soul. You make my days and my poetastic attitude sparkle like gold. Super. So, okay, you you are a little slow to the reading. Everybody comes their own time. I mean, you you've heard these stories about Einstein. I'm sure they thought he was a fucking idiot. They thought the guy couldn't do. Okay, now. So you came a little late to it, but you, you picked it up and you learned from that rhyming. You learned from that, and, and you made it your own, man. That's awesome. So, okay, you're, you're here you are. You're a poet, and we've got COVID. We're all locked down, but you found a way to speak to people across the globe, man. What was that like that first time? Oh, my God. It was it's just a fresh, a fresh air. I mean, going to... 
the UK, I mean, people, I mean, being gaps, having seen the beautiful people that gave us um, Shakespeare and the most talented artists and singers in the world just gasping for your for your words, it's just it's just so breathtaking. I was just, uh, I was, oof. I was let, just, let me ask you one of the questions I love to ask my brother and sister poets. You know, when we look back in history, we know that the oldest tales were told to us by poets. The oldest stories come to us by poets. So to me, a poet takes on a heavy responsibility. So my brother, let me ask you this. Today, in today's crazy, crazy, mad world, what responsibilities do we take on when we take on the power of versifying, man? What's your thoughts? My thoughts is the power that we take on is we trying to represent that's not how I how I feel about how we feel. We take on how other people feel. We speak for everyone else. We're the um we're their conscience. We're their um insight. We're their knowledge. I mean, it's our job to not just put ourselves on stage, but put them on stage as well. And we just preach on and just show on, just so we can all grow on. You know, I I brother, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, these crazy times nowadays are just, I mean, seeing other people just, I mean, just, it's not always about you. I mean, the world does not evolve around you. You evolve around it. So instead of just putting yourself out there, it's good to teach and grow and help people just explore their creativity. Let me ask you this. You know, some poets kind of get into a groove where they're like, tend to write about a given subject. I hear that, and I get that, and they polish that rock, and they make it shine, and that's a good thing. Some of us, we aim a little farther afield, you know, we go a little this way, we go a little that way. Sir, I think that you're probably one of my brothers who goes a little this way, goes a little that way. What are some of your favorite subjects, sir, to undertake? My favorite subject has to be emotions or actually have to be about love, has to be about like different emotions such as anger, stress, love, depression, all of that, because I try my best to stay away from politics because politics is a dirty game. I want to, when I say my poetry, I want people to just take a little vacation from the reality and just dive into the fantasy. You have a good heart, brother. You have a good heart. And uh, to me, some of the best things that poets can do for the folks, the, the folks who don't have that, that amazing gift, is we can help them find another way of looking at this world that's maybe not so damn hurtful. And I, I absolutely agree. However, my own personal muse, I, I bang on the politicians pretty regular. And I, I love, I love to tell funny stories about science. I'm a big science fan, so I like to have some fun with science. Um, let me ask you this. Some poets are, are reluctant. Now, see, I, I, always, I always think about love poetry as I write it aimed to a soul, to a particular love, okay? And it's, it's very rare that I write 
and share my heart's heart of love poetry with some, with the folks, you know. I, I, I tend to do silly for the folks. But let me ask you, have you found it comfortable for your heart to share some of your deepest love poetry with friends? Or, or is it really to that, to that soul, to that person, to that, to that moment? How, how well, does that work for you? How it work for me is, well, I mean, we expose, we're poets. We expose each other, each other each and every day. I'm all like exposing love. I'm like, sometimes it's hurtful, sometimes it's bad, but it's good to actually speak your word so you can teach someone if to look at the signs and like if it's A, B, and C, if a, if she does A, B, and C, you need to watch out. Or if he does A, B, and C, watch out. We're poets. We're supposed to educate. We're not supposed to um, hold our emotion. We're supposed to spread them out to the world. We're poets and we need to show it. You know what I'm saying? I, I do, sir. I do. I'm going to tell you a little funny story about me. I, I, I started writing poetry regularly in middle school. I had an English teacher who said to me, okay, I want everybody to write about Indians. Now, I, I had fallen in love with Native American culture when I was a little kid. I had an uncle that was an anthropologist. He turned me on to cultural anthropology and physical anthropology. I read these friggin' books when I was 10, man. I was like, Wow, cultures, different cultures. That is so cool, man. That is so amazing. And I came across a book by Sitting Bull, and, and I read this one story. I just can tell you one little anecdote. He, he, he went east one time to, to try, you know, he tried a lot of ways to help his people survive, and he was having a rough friggin' time. But he decided, okay, look, if they, they talk about the great white father in Washington, D.C., I'll, I'll go there, man. I'll talk to this guy because he's got to be a human being. You know, if he's in charge exactly. of people, he's got to be a human being. And exactly. he said, he was, he was optimistic. But, but when he was traveling across the U.S. by rail, right, he was appalled. He was shocked at the way these crazy freaking European Americans treated each other. He was, he was embarrassed for their humanity because he saw these poor little shacks by the side of the road and starving children and he couldn't believe that grown up human beings would treat each other that way he was shocked and when this this little fifth grader read that I went okay look I know what side I'm on <laughs> I, I, I'm with them man I, I'm with them this shit this, fuck that so so but the thing was, all right, so when she said write about Native Americans, man, I, I wrote from the heart. I wrote, I wrote my first real public poem that was about Native American culture, and it, 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 it just spoke so much to me, right? So I kept this hidden, though, right? I didn't, man, I, you know, God, poetry, you know, man, people, most people have no fucking respect for poetry at all. No, so don't. it was hidden. But you know what? You know what turned the key for me? Jim Morrison of The Doors and Frank Zappa of Mothers of Invention. When I heard Jim Morrison say, when the still sea conspires in armor and her sullen and aborted currents breed tiny monsters, true sailing is dead. I went, 
Oh man, yeah. Ah, that's I do that. That's that's me. So you know what we did? We used to run around the mall, right? And crazy hippies. I would stand in a shopping cart <laughs> reciting Jim Morrison while my friends pushed me through the mall. <laughs> that's beautiful. That is beautiful. That's that's how I earned my poet cherry, man. That was that was the thing. So, my brother, tell me about the first time you read it in public. Do you remember? Do you remember the first time? Oh yeah, I remember the first time. It was actually a school project. We were um, actually they were picking um, finalists to go in this poetry um, contest, and guess what? I was the winners. And what I'm not me- surprised in the least. <laughs> and what guided me was a um, poem called. Um, a slavery, believe it or not. Yeah. But I wish I could. Um, it's somewhere. The book is somewhere in my um, closet. But I promise I'll give you a. Um, I write it to you and send it to you on DM for Facebook. Yeah. And actually, you know, and you know the funny thing is, I wrote another poem about um, about our flag and how it means to me. And it's going to be surprising. I, I, can only, <laughs> I can only imagine, my brother. I can only imagine. So, okay. Speaking now, mm-hmm. poet to poet, with people from India, with people from France, with people from Britain. Man, you know, th- this incredible irony where we're locked in, but we're not. These poets are building bridges. You have friends in England. You have friends in France. You have friends in India. Man, humanity is so amazing. It is. It's so, it surely is. This is the beauty, the beauty and the power of communication and beauty of the power of technology. It just it, this huge epidemic was supposed to spread us, but it draw us together as one. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it wasn't for this. I don't know what I would do. It's so beautiful. It really is, man. It really is. Well, I, I count myself lucky, my brother, having heard your work many times. And speaking of hearing your work, I think it's time, man. How about how about some poetry from my brother? Oh, oh sure. My poetry for another brother to another, too, so we can um, express and explore and engulf each other i love it sure no problem the poem that i actually did i did like two days ago this is called um crooked flag okay here it is it's not made of red blue and white it's made from your it's made from ruby tears why is american history right to control our gears our ancestors black and native americans suffer from the patriotic game we do whatever we can, it's bigger history to blame. Our ancestors slaves to build these pillars in the scorching heat, frigid rain, and below zero snow. All that, they weren't the winners. Why does our contribution come so slow? I hate the founding fathers of putting our ancestors in chains. I hate the pilgrims who kicked the Native Americans off their land. Both groups dealing with backstabbing pain. Now, do you wholeheartedly understand? It's history, covered with sweet, bitter lies. For what? To preserve a false patriotic image? Many mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, and fathers die. This is true. Don't be scared to get skittish. What do they do? They paint over it to cover the hideous marks. 
We all want to taste the American dream like you. Please stop feeding the blindest sharks. You can choose, but what do you got to lose? It's sad this is supposed to be a land of opportunity, but took away mine and others' dignity. No, no, no. It's a battle of femininity and masculinity. It's not about gender, but him, her, you, I, and we. I know it hurts, but like everything else, it is flawed. Later, there is mute. She can't sing. Why? Her voice has been outlawed. It's not PG or A-OK. People die from this bloody America facade. You know what to think or say. At least I got you out of that ancient mirage. Whenever you look at the flag, ask yourself, does it truly represent you or me? Yeah, I know it's a huge drag. Dangling the sun in the clouds, pretending we are free. Awesome. And awesome, brother. One, and I got one. I got two short ones. Oh, listen, man. Read on, brother. Read on. Oh, I want to hear you. four, five, six. Oh, man, you come to the right guy. You dude, know, I love dude, that. listen, I don't want just a little taste. You want the main course, of That's course. right, my friend, that's right. Oh, I just loved your um, potential remorse. <laughs> oh, I call curse tattoo. It's okay, you're not alone. Don't hide in your darkened lair. Don't let your heart turn to stone. Please be here, not over there. Only you can live in a tone. Believe me, someone cares. Tattoos aren't carved in your bones, so please share, share, and share. Please vent out the inner unknown. Make the blockheads more aware. You don't need to condone. We all know crazy life isn't fair. Who cares you're a misfit or disowned? Please don't get swallowed up by despair. Please no more inner tormented cyclones. You feel a lot better, I dare and swear. Please no more holds or postpones. Please no more isolated games in solitaire. Please, you need to be fully exposed. Don't mind ignorance, let them stare. Live on, speak up, and go on. No more conflicting groans. Bravo, right. sir. Bravo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I I love your protective energy. You actually feeling what's inside of me. I got I got rhyming pill. Go, I man, go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, love it, love it. I can go all day. Dude, run, my friend, run. This is called rhyming pill. <laughs> I couldn't understand nothing. The words taunted me, the laugh and haunting, only dark as I could see. The feelings were crushing, wishing I'd be, I could be set free from the endless flooding. Hat in a hat, I was at ease. Reading it, it was quite something. Absorbed the lines with glee, words so energetic and stunning, a shield from the slow disease. I was hooked and kept running, drove for at a fish in the blue sea. The words just kept coming, created a lantern for my misery, a suit of armor for the stings. Life of words burned in my history, granted me colorful and golden wings. To others, they were childish stories, but to me, they were everything. Shakespeare and old sonnet was my glory. Whenever you are, I hope you are listening. You gave me the unique insight of poetry, my rhymical patterns that make me sing, songs of blistery, glitterly, glittery, and entry. Thank you so much for my voice of things. Wonderful, my brother. Wonderful. Oh, I got. Oh, I'm just being started. <laughs> oh, dude, fired up, man. Fired up. Okay, thank you so much. This is called a cup of tea, air to vent out your cares, a cup of herb to make you less disturbed, a cup of love to turn you to a dove, a cup of tranquility to make you feel me, a cup of music to make you less sick, a cup of satisfaction to make you feel passion, a cup of relaxation to give you a vacation. A cup of surprise to taste the sunrise, a cup of happiness to achieve your wish, 
a cup of you to mellow in the blues, a cup of understanding to help you grow your wings, a cup of poetry to make you feel me. Very nice. Thank you. Oh, I, I'm just getting started. <laughs> awesome. Uh, this is called um, They Say About You. They say about me, I really don't care. Names are only labels. They're not here or there. Labels don't need to disable. No wall in dark despair. Know what some say about MLK and Gandhi? It really wasn't pleasant or nice. They help on a deep, passion degree, even for a painful price. People don't understand. Words only words. They can be either iron or sand. Do not be too disturbed. They can't command or demand. When someone says anything bad about you, pay them no thought or mind. They don't know what you do. Leave their dark clouds behind. Get lost in your ventures in your view. Do not mind them. Be aligned while they stay blind. They don't control your fate. Can't push your buttons or control your strings. Let them bask in their self-hate. Pursue your unique golden wings. We can all relate. Your life is whatever you create. Excellent, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, I'm just... <laughs> Let's have another, man. Oh, heck yes. I love um, I love this fantastic energy. You really feeling me. You, your words making me at ease. This Good. is called Fun Fact. Enjoy your life. Set aside the chains. Taste the limelight. Enough 24-7 pain. Take a nice flight from the adult cocaine. Bask in light. No fun, no gain. Absorb the childish sight. It keeps you insane. It's your pillars and right. Take your break from the stains to make a much better and brighter height. Very nice. <laughs> Read on, my brother. Read on. Oh, heck yes. Oh, heck yes. Let, let's go on. Let's go on. We're going to be strong. Can't have too many prolongs. This is called... Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is called much better. It's better to give to receive. It's better to fail than to achieve. It's better to share than to be greedy. It's better to work than to be needy. It's better to love than to be bad. It's better to be happy than to be sad. It's better to be simple than to be complicated. It's better to be adored than to be hated. It's better to be alive than to be dead. It's better to be here than to be ahead. It's better to be you than to be nothing at all. It's better to feel than to be a wall. It's better to sing than to be mute. It's better to be real than to be cute. It's better to be a memory than to be a dream. It's better to be a road than to be a stream. Awesome. Awesome. I'd like to share one with you, and then, then we'll come back to a couple more viewers, okay? Sure, no problem. Jeez. This, is I, called, uh, this is called The Blind Man Who Only Saw Love. I, I'm, I'm one of those people, uh, like a lot of poets, I think, who, uh, because we're very philosophical, because we're really reflective and think a lot about what human beings are up to and what we're up to and when we try to do our best and don't always succeed. Uh, I wrote this. It's my little, I think of it as a little candle to optimism. Okay. It goes like this. It's called the blind man who only saw love. A blind man who only saw love would watch the bigger folk shove as he strode on his path. This may give you a laugh. He smiled at the way the pain led the day. And the humans would shout at the few that got out of the chains in the street on the wrists and the feet, the downcast lot, the drunken sot, they moaned. He would look at a street that was spattered with blood. He's a laugh on the path, but he only saw love. There was fear in the air, but you'd know not when he's there. 
He could go into downtown and while looking around at the muggers and whores leaning in doorways and store plays, thieves running in pack, it's not dollars they lack, but a bone in the back and a brain on the stack. A knife or gun for just a little clean fun, but their fear they infect with their desperate neglect, it's the city's effect. Even children are infected, not corrected, they just stare. So dark out there. But the blind man, he's still smiling. He's a grin in the wind. In the phone book he's dialing, is it a number for prayer? Jesus, are you there? Or just another ruse, an excuse to confuse. A black horse hearse getting worse, city course. But the blind man sees God and he's thinking out loud. He sends love and kisses from those to this is. God's not on his phone and he isn't at home in the church, don't you see? You won't set him free, you. But he's there and he's here, in downtown, in the country, in the trees, in the breeze, in cement, his intent everywhere. If you could see, you would stare. Seeing through vice his blue eyes, seeing in pain in the skies crying rain, the loose fuse. In the pain, in the love, in the push, in the shove. Keep grinning, you're winning. Woo! Beautiful and so heartful and so protectful. Oh my God, that was. Woo! Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Now, sir, some more from Mr. Eddie. Of course, that inspired me to read. This is called The Weatherman. There was a man who cried alone for his glittering plastic fancy. His warming heart turned to stone while he rains enormous and bluer seas. She was a woman adored by the stars for his heartfelt alluring amazement. His heart beating like a sports car, too bad he wasn't worthy entertainment. The skies were vivid in the snowy breeze for a soft, scorching passion. His hands suddenly freeze, couldn't give her instant satisfaction. The man got lost in his wonderland while being silly, he's the lure of the quicksand. His special fate and destiny was aligned. The man's face used to have been brighter than the sun. Yet it's bleached pale than the full moon. He calls for gray showers as he runs, while his weeping heart turns to a swollen balloon. He creates hurricanes while he drinks to forget about his sweet nightingale. His many griefs and worries start to sink, while his hangovers ring louder than any bell. The storms roar about her hugs and kisses, that the thunder strikes with inner criticism. The luminous embrace he instantly misses as his inner ominous tornadoes destroys them. He creates the milky mist in her image, a homage to his woman in white. His sunny emotion quickly diminishes. Now he's a fog in her hungry, alluring sight. Beautiful, brother. Very beautiful. Oh, thank you. Oh, I got more. Well, I'll tell you what. I think we got time for about two more. So thank you. Thank you. Knock oh, me dead, man. This is, this is you're, you're such a wonderful writer, my friend. You're eloquent. Your, your heart just sings from that work. Your, your special skill, my brother. Really beautiful stuff. Please read on. Oh, you got special skill that can um, special skills that can kill, my friend. I really, I really love your words. Your words sing louder than the most chirpiest of birds. All right, Thank let's you, do this. No problem. This is called Luna Star. Hey Jude. Don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember, 
to letter into your heart, then you can start to making it better. Be the luminous light in the pitch darkness. Shine your ray and glow to the tiny plants. Fill melancholy weather with eternal bliss. Spread your lights to the starving ants. Turn your endless rain into vibrant heat. Burn the perky thorns so far, far away. Cheer on the blackened hearts and frigid feet. Ease the heavy burdens on our lowest days. Help us grow wings to dance in the sky. Make our pain, torment, and grief decay. Spread our cold ashes whenever they lie. Be the golden road to take us on our on course in order to bask and taste greener pastures. Be the white pill that destroys the toxic source that levitates the fallen on a higher measure. Create the flames that inspire the blind. Get lost in their flickering, pleasant chimes to help shine, dazzle, and grow the mind. Please swallow the murky, the ugly, murky meadows to rebirth a much clearer and bluer pond. Help kill away the doubtful, cheerful shadows so we can be unboundly free to move on. Bravo, sir. Bravo. Ah, thank you. Thank you. you thank have you. such an eloquent voice. It, it's really an honor to hear your work. I, I hope you know how good you are, my friend. Because, you know, a lot of poets wander around and they don't know that they're good. They, they have doubts and stuff. And I don't want, I want right now, you just drop all the doubts, okay? Because you're a good poet, man. You are an awesome poet. You're going to make me blush You're gonna because your words really touch. And I thank you such a bunch. And again, thank you so, 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 so very much. I'm going to ask you one more question, okay? Sure. There's a lot of young poets out there. And, and some of them get a chance to, to visit and join up with some of these groups that we read in. I want you to say, what, what would be your advice to a young poet? a little concerned, a little trepidatious about reading their work. What what do you say to young poets, my brother? What I would say to young poets is keep on writing and don't listen to critics. And remember, when you go on stage, if you say you're, if you say your most beautiful, ugly, or yet just horrible thing on stage poetry-wise, don't care what people say. You expose yourself just so you can light others. You're a poet, so use your words and your attitude to show it and never, ever, ever give up. Absolutely, sir. Fine, fine words. I want to thank Mr. Edward Fordman, Eddie Potastic poet that you are, my brother. Shine, 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 my friend. It's such an honor to have you with me. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, a bunch, and I am touched to be here and to be in gear because I know people like you are always near. Never distant from your heart, my brother, and you never distant from mine. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. I insist. And for Poets of the East, I thank my brother with all my heart for the wonderful art that you shared with us today. Thanks again. And thank you. Your, your words will stick like glue, and I love your attitude and please being you. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Misha, what do you think, buddy? Was that an amazing performer or what? First of all, the simple reason that it was chosen, it was selected by you, is the best argument that he was, that he is, an amazing performer, an amazing poet. 
actually the first thing I wanted to say after you kindly gave me the word was to repeat what Eddie mentioned just before saying goodbye. Rick, never stop being yourself. Of course, this is valuable in general, but especially in your case and following not only tonight, but all in all, uh, those episodes, those broadcastings, those webcastings, uh, webcasts, uh, I feel that they would ha- they would be uh, completely uh, emptied of uh, content if Rick Spisak wouldn't be Rick Spisak anymore. If Rick Spisak wouldn't be so inspired in uh, for inviting people like Paul Sorgata, Marisa Prada, and Eddie Foreman. Okay, this was in general. In peculiar, in particular, for Eddie Foreman, uh, actually one of the best performing poets I know uh, and belonging to his very highly artistical uh, category, and which actually is, uh, is making me more uh, more decided in my suggestion of organizing once an episode with poet performers. I mean, three poet performers, all of them in one performing poetic episode at Poets, uh, Poets of the East. I remarked also the combination of uh, of original uh, of the original way he's he's uh, uh, composing. Uh, his metaphors uh, with uh, the musicality, the exterior and the interior rhythm and uh, uh, and rhymes of uh, his of, of his verses. It is again something not very common that someone working so well, so nice, so so beautifully with music would be also able to create such a profound, such a uh, such a complex poetry. And when, when I heard him also singing, oh my God, this was something. This was, I think, the highest moment of the uh, of his part uh, of the of uh, of the evening. Actually, I was feeling like singing "Hey, uh, Hey Jude" uh, myself. Thanks God, my microphone was muted because our listener ah, ah. would have start running away because as I have already told you, dear Rick, I'm singing only in case of a fire for evacuating the room. <laughs> well, before we run out of time, I have to say thank you so much, my brother, for all your wonderful contributions. And I look forward to talking with you again for our next week's show. Thank you, Misha Danduda, poet extraordinary of the whole globe. Thanks again for coming. And I'm going to go out on a little bit of music, whether it wants it or not. We're going to go out with my one of my favorite songs, What Are You Going to Do About Me?
for joining us. On behalf of Misha and myself, have a wonderful night and we'll talk to you next week. Misha, bye-bye. All the best. Goodbye. Thank you for being with us. Long life poetry. Bye-bye, Rick Spisak. Bye-bye, poetry, wherever you are. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.